I get to now introduce Reverend Liz Dyer, who I'm so excited to have with us this morning. Liz founded the Mama Bears, a Serendipity Doodah online Facebook group that now has like 35,000 plus moms, moms of queer kids, many of whom come from a more conservative background, but who have um, banded together to teach each other, learn from each other, support each other in loving their kids and creating change in the world, plus a gazillion other arms that Liz will probably be talking about a little bit, so I won't steal her thunder. Liz, always glad to see you. Welcome from Texas. Thank you, Emily. It's great to be here with all of you today. Um, I'm always full of gratitude when I think about Blue Ocean Faith Ann Arbor. I love the way that your faith community um, just so clearly demonstrates the extravagant love and hospitality of God. And uh, I'm grateful for the work that you all do and, and just, you know, for the way that you are spreading love and kindness and, and generosity and, and wisdom uh, to your local community and to people outside of your local community. You have a lot of people now that are joining you virtually. So um, that's wonderful too. Yeah, before I get started on the message today, um, for those who may not know, I'll just kind of give a little brief synopsis. Um, as a mom of a gay son, a proud mom of a gay son, um, I started a Facebook group for moms of LGBTQ kids back in 2014. My high hopes and big dreams were that thousands of moms of LGBTQ kids would join the group and that they would not only be inspired to wholeheartedly affirm and celebrate their own LGBTQ kids, but I hoped and dreamed that they would also be inspired to work together and change the world and make it a kinder, safer, more loving place for all LGBTQ people to live. And I'm excited to say that what I hoped for happened and um, my dreams are coming true. Uh, I started that one group in 2014 with about 150 moms, and today we have more than 35,000 moms of LGBTQ kids in the group. And um, they're known as Mama Bears now, and a whole organization has grown out of that one group that's known as Real Mama Bears. We have eight other private groups, more than 60 local chapters um, where moms can get together with each other and either for fun and, and social activities or to do advocacy work. And then we have eight other programs that uh, serve the LGBTQ community that we have developed and, and we support and, and manage. And so I'm really excited about the work that we're doing. Most of what the Mama Bears do are acts of kindness. They stand in at weddings, they chat on the phone, they send cards in the mail, they put together care packages and make blankets and send them out to LGBTQ people to encourage them and just remind them that they're loved and supported and celebrated just as they are. They make hospital visits. Um, and, you know, what I really love about all these acts of kindness is they really do uh, cause a lot of ripples that spread out and impact other people and other organizations, businesses, churches, uh, schools, they really have a, um, you know, a lot of um, influence when uh, people go out and do these acts of kindness. So, um, yeah, I'm really proud of what's going on with the Mama Bears. But I did come prepared to uh, give you a little message today. And I think it's an important message, especially as you guys go out to uh, celebrate Pride today or you know, just think about how you want to um, 
love and affirm and encourage the uh, LGBTQ people in your life. And this message is important to me because I have a gay son, but I know it's important to all of you too, just because of the way that um, your community um, wants to remind LGBTQ people that they have a place at the table, that they're loved and affirmed and celebrated. And um, I love the scripture that was read this morning. Uh, Luke 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible because I love the parables of Jesus. And I especially love these three parables because they all talk about something lost, something found, and then there's a celebration uh, because of what is found. And I think this is a, you know, um, story that um, many of us can relate to, but especially maybe uh, those in the LGBTQ community and um, families with uh, LGBTQ members that they love and care about, not in the way that ex-gay ministries has used this parable though. And, and um, I do want to say that I've had a little um, difficult relationship with the prodigal son parable, uh, just because of the way ex-gay ministries have used that to kind of teach um, LGBTQ people that if they repent of their lifestyle and come back to God, that, you know, God will love them and accept them. And so a few years ago, when I heard a retelling of this parable, I was really excited because it really redeemed it for me. And it kind of brought me back to the meaning that was so precious to me in the first place with this uh, parable. Um, you know, just the meaning that God loves all of us, no matter if we're following the rules of some institution or not, whether we have even distanced ourselves from God or have, um, you know, remained what we would consider close to God, that God loves all of us. And I love that message. But this retelling it was really precious to me. It was written by a woman named Katie and Boric. I know some of you here know who Katie is. She's a, um, a queer woman. She's an MD. She practices pediatric medicine. She's one of the uh, founders of the LGBTQ clinic at the University of Iowa. And uh, Katie's married to a woman. They have a child and um, she's very passionate and compassionate about serving and caring for the LGBTQ community. And when she uh, wrote this retelling of the parable, the prodigal son, um, you know, it obviously has a lot of herself in it because um, her own life experiences of being a Christian woman who's a lesbian, um, you know, comes with knowing a lot of um, the struggle of finding her own self and, um, you know, getting to the point to be able to celebrate that. So let me go ahead and, and share this retelling with you. And then we'll talk about some things that I think Katie wants us to get out of her retelling. Consider that the older brother that never left in the story of the prodigal son is instead an older daughter who lives obediently with her parents. And then let's consider that the prodigal son, the younger son, is not a younger son, but a younger daughter who is a lesbian. And she, for many years, has been struggling and suffering, trying to come to grips with the fact that she is a lesbian. 
And during this time, she has uh, suffered from a lot of depression and she's been filled with a lot of self-hatred and self-loathing. She's even had panic attacks and, and, you know, felt paranoid at times. She barely graduated high school. And after high school, she kind of went off and distanced herself from her family. And she lost herself in, in years of, you know, maybe abusing alcohol or just having meaningless um, connections with people. And she finally gets to the point where she um, knows that she has to do something different, that living in the closet this way, um, lost to her true self, that she is, you know, destroying herself. And she's destroying um, even relationships that she cares about. And she realizes she doesn't want to hide her secret anymore. She doesn't want to deny it to herself. And she doesn't want to hide it from people that she really loves and wants to love her. And so she's overcome with this need to share her sexuality with her mom. She wants to tell her mom everything. And so she goes to her mother and, and she just pours her heart out. And when she does, her mom greets her with love and affirmation. She embraces her in a loving hug. And she says these words to her daughter. She says, you do not need to apologize for who you are. You are my daughter. I think you're brave and I think you're perfect just the way you are. And I love every part of you. And then the mom gets up and she goes over to this cabinet where they keep some wine and they've been saving this bottle of wine for a very special occasion. And she gets it out and the father and the older daughter happened to be in the house that day. And she calls to them, you know, come in, we're going to have a celebration. I got to tell you what's happened. And she shares what's happened and she's opening up the bottle of wine and getting the wine glasses out. And this triggers a very puzzled and negative reaction from the older daughter, the older sister. And she says, um, the older sister says, um, we open a bottle of wine for this. I mean, the one we've been saving for a special occasion for my sister, who almost basically refused an education. She wouldn't have even passed high school if it wasn't for you guys staying up late at night with her, uh, drilling her for the, the next day's test. And now she lives paycheck to paycheck. And She's decided that she's gay and that's the reason for all this stuff that she's been going through. And we're going to celebrate this. I've done everything right. I've been here. I've been obedient. I've, you know, followed all the rules. I've graduated with a degree. I have a good job. And I don't think I've ever had a reception like this. And then the mom looks at her oldest daughter, not with any kind of anger or condemnation. Um, but with very kind and loving eyes. And she says, sweetheart, I'm so very proud of you. You're becoming the person that you were always meant to be. And, and I'm so glad that, you know, you've stayed on this path and been able to get there the way that you have. And I couldn't love you more. But the road that your sister has been traveling has been much harder. It's been filled with a lot of ups and downs. She has struggled to figure out who she was supposed to be. And now she has done that. She was lost to herself and now she's found herself. And tonight we're going to celebrate because your sister has been searching for her true identity for years. And now she has finally found it. So just like the 
parable that Jesus told. Um, Katie doesn't wrap everything up in just a nice, neat bow here. We don't really know what uh, the older sister um, says, how she responds. But I still think that just like uh, the parable of the prodigal son, that we can get some really important lessons out of this parable uh, that Katie um, retold. And I think maybe the first thing that we really want to think about, and I think this is very timely, not just with you guys going to um, a prize celebration today, but this next month, uh, National Coming Out Day will be coming around. And so a lot of LGBTQ people uh, will be coming out. Maybe somebody will come out to you for the first time, or maybe somebody that you already know is out is going to be coming out to, to more friends or family members. And so, um, you know, this parable can just uh, remind us um, about how we need to be responding to people when they come out to us and how we need to be empowering people as they might prepare to come out to others. And, um, you know, we can, um, you know, maybe sometimes I hear people say things like, um, I don't even understand why anybody needs to come out. Why do they have to tell somebody about, um, you know, who they're sleeping with? But, you know, if you're an LGBT person or you love an LGBTQ person, you probably know that, you um, being a member of the community is about a lot more than just who you're sexually attracted to or who you sleep with. It really is an integral part of who you are. A good friend of mine um, who is a gay man, a gay Christian man, he talks about how when he tried to compartmentalize um, his sexual orientation from the rest of himself and how difficult that was, he always says, um, you know, when people try to compartmentalize in that way, they really do um, go through a lot of, uh, you know, emotions and, and kind of, um, you know, acrobats that really destroy them. He says, imagine that uh, a person's sexual orientation is one piece of paper and the rest of them are another piece of paper and you put glue on it, you put them together and you let them dry. And then if you tear them apart, you see what happens to both pieces of paper. And so, um, yeah, I think it's important that, you know, we don't um, respond in a way. We don't even want to say, um, I love you even though you're gay or even though you're transgender. Um, that, when you think about it, it's, it sounds like an insult, you know, like they're having to apologize for who they are. And I love the way Katie retold this uh, parable. And she said, I, I love you just as you are. I think you're perfect just as you are. I love every part of you. Um, it wasn't even though. So these are little things that we can think about when someone comes out to us, how we're going to respond. Um, because maybe we say the wrong words and, and our ten, intention was good, but really what matters is the impact. So, you know, that's something that we can think about as we come away from this parable. And that's what's so great about parables. You know, they get us thinking about things in different ways. Uh, the other thing I think that this parable can um, help us remember is that authenticity is worthy of celebration. Um, you know, it's not easy to be authentic. Um, in a world that, you know, has all these expectations for us. And I think especially if you're a member of the LGBTQ community, because we still live in a world where 
for the most part, people think that heterosexuality and um, being cisgender is what is normal. And so um, I think it's really great if we can uh, encourage and empower people who are striving to be the person they were created to be. Scripture tells us that we're all fearfully and wonderfully made. And, um, you know, that's what we should be living into. Um, I think the best way for us to glorify God is to be fully alive and to be authentic and to be living wholeheartedly as our true self. So, um, you know, if someone comes out to us and they're, um, you know, really striving to be authentic, to be their true self, that is worthy of celebration. And then, um, you know, I think the third thing is um, really the same lesson that we can learn from the original parable is that God loves us uh, no matter where we're at. Um, God loves us unconditionally. And um, it doesn't matter, even if we're that person in the corner pouting over what God is celebrating, God loves us. It, it, even if we're the person that has um, felt like to protect ourselves, we had to distance ourselves from God, from um you know, a faith community from Christianity, God still loves us. And um, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. And, um, you know, I think that's really an important message for everyone, but especially for the LGBTQ community, because they have received a lot of negative messages from, um, from the Christian faith and from Christians who are not affirming a lot of messages that are shame-based and um, have made them wonder, you know, does God love them? And why did God create them the way that they are? And so I think today, just in closing, I'm going to share something that I have shared with some of you before. And um, it's just really, I think, uh, important that we emphasize that God does love LGBTQ people. And I love the way that this uh, particular post from a young man named Ben Moberg, who's a queer Christian, wrote many years ago when he was young and struggling to figure out uh, why God made him gay and why, um, you know, in his mind at the time, God hated him. And it's called For the Closeted Ones. Here's what Ben wrote. Maybe you heard it first at age nine from the front row pew. Your pastor said it in 10 seconds and it felt like hell and hate hurling down upon you. Maybe you heard it in the car with James Dotson declaring to the nation or to your family that perverts like you don't get to have God. Maybe you heard it in everything that went unsaid. Maybe you opened the book and you saw six or seven verses with their crushing words, leaving your soul cracked wide open. And maybe you read them with a lump in your throat and tears down your face and trembling hands. And maybe a part of you died. And the message was received loud and clear. You cannot be known because you cannot be loved. You will not be welcomed. You will not be saved. You will lose everyone you care about. You will be thrown away. So you ran backwards. You receded down deep and you laid thick bricks all around you to keep everyone out. And you believed it was all true. And you believed that hiding was your best protection. 
for me, for a long time, I believed those things too. I believe God could care less. I believe that the only way I would be loved and get my pardon from hell was to be straight. I believe that sometime long before memory, maybe as a toddler, I chose to be gay because that's what the church folks said. And this is merely a matter of choice. I believed it so fully in my decaying heart until late one night at my lowest point, God told me something different. It was about 1 a.m. And I was laying out below the stars, wrapped up in my backyard hammock. I was hyperventilating violently. I was having cries that were choked out and breath that was cut short. And I was past all hope. I asked God how his people, his followers, his body could be so cruel and tough and severe. Why are you like that? Why do you say you're on their side? Why am I even here? Why can't I be your child? Why won't you take me? These were the questions going through my mind. I threw wild swings in the dark, imagining his face was right in front of me. I knew he was there. I believed it with all my heart, but I was completely convinced that he didn't care a bit about me. I thought he hated me and I was past all hope. But in the middle of the madness, in the swinging of my arms and the cursing, a sudden seam was stitched. A bridge was built before me and between my before and my after. A moment that changed everything forever. It came very quietly, like the first drops of rain, gentle and cool. And it was just five words. And they were the sweetest words ever spoken to me. I am not like them. I was struck and lulled and captivated all at once. I lost my breath and my arms fell limp to the grass. I placed my hand over my heart and I squeezed my eyes shut. I listened to it echo through my soul, reverberating over and over again until it matched the rhythm of my returning heartbeat. I am not like them. I am not like them. I am not like them. The great I am heard me, saw me, spoke to me and came to me and said, I am not like them. The cries and moans didn't cease, but now they came from a different place, a source of pure joy and adoration and peace. And even today, I hang on to this memory with all that I have because it's all I need. I am his love. I am his joy. He likes me and he loves me and he saved me. He reached out and wrapped his big arms around me. And it was like he had waited forever for this. He loves me and he loves you too, whether you believe it or not. It's true. I love those words that Ben wrote. Um, he takes us through that whole journey of doubting God's love for us and then um, having an experience where he realized that God does love him. And um, I think God is there waiting for us all to experience his love that way. And, and sometimes it comes in a quiet moment when we're alone, but another time it might come when someone else um, who we care about uh, takes us in their arms and just reminds us that they're loved just the way we are. And so we can all do that for one another. We can all spread God's love um, to each other. And we all need it at times, no matter where we are, no matter how we identify. I think all of us need to be reminded 
that God loves us and cares about us. So thank you so much for allowing me this time uh, to bring this message to you. And um, I love you and God loves you. And don't forget that.